Hey, 2022 starting out pretty good. The Chiefs got a win yesterday. Praise the Lord. God is on the throne. Or at least a fumble recovery. I don't know if you call it a win. They did get a fumble recovery. So, uh, but uh, a little too close for comfort. But um, we're in a series that we've called Start Fresh. And I think it's, I think I would speak for all of us that we're excited about starting this year as fresh as possible. Amen? Like, I, I think that that would be, you know, at least most of us are like, man, I want, I want this year to be my best year. In fact, how many of you say that's you, that you want your, this year to be your best year? Okay, yeah. How many of you are saying, you know what, I'll just settle for better than last year? Anybody like, like I'll take, I'll just take mildly better. Um, I hope wherever you're at, I hope to set your sights a little bit higher because I really do believe this can be your best year. I believe this can be your best year yet. And I believe that that's regardless of circumstances. This can be your best year regardless of what's happening to you or what's happening around you. This can be your best year because what is happening inside of you. Come on, somebody. Can I get an amen? That's true. That, that's the truest thing right there. That is true. And, and so we're, we're praying that this will be your best year. And, and the way it's going to happen is by starting fresh. And so that's why we're doing 21 days of uh, fasting and prayer. And I want to encourage you to jump in and join us with that. If you haven't joined us yet, start today. It's not too late, all right? So we started last week, but you can start today. You can do 14 days of fasting and prayer. And so what is this? Fasting and prayer is giving up something that you like for something that you love more, okay? So anytime you go to do that thing that you like, you're reminded, oh, wait, I'm fasting, and you, you lean in to the thing that you love even more, and that's Jesus. And so... And so this can be food, this can be social media, this can be the, the internet. I don't know if it's possible to fast the internet completely. Um, uh, this could be all kinds of things. Um, but whatever it is, it causes you when you go to do that thing, like, oh, wait, I'm fasting that. God, I want to draw close to you. And what you will notice is that you will grow closer and closer and closer to God as a result over the next 21 days. Um, and so I'm really, really excited about this. As a little personal testimony, uh, I'm fasting television and also digital news. And I'm a news, I'm a news junkie. And so I've never actually fasted the news. I always enjoy the news. And uh, my Google News app on my phone is probably my most used app. And so I'm always checking the news. And so um, what happens, though, with that is that you can become really distracted and really immersed and really just constantly fed with negativity. And so... I said this year I'm going to fast the news, and so I had to delete my Google News app um, because I literally found myself Sunday afternoon going to, like, open it. I was like, wait, no, I'm fasting this. And so uh, I deleted the app, and let me just tell you, it's been amazing. Like, these last seven days, I feel, like, so much closer to the Lord. And this always happens during a fast, but I feel closer to the Lord. I feel less anxious. I feel um, less worried. I feel, I literally, and I was, telling, I was telling my wife this last night, I was like, man, I really have felt so in tune with the Lord. And uh, it's just been, it's been really great. And here's the crazy thing. The world is still spinning round and round. It's like, in, without me checking in on it. It's amazing. It's surviving. It's crazy. So who knows? Who knows what you might be uh, called to fast, but I want to encourage you to take that step and see what God does, and this might just be your, your best year. Okay, so, all right, we're in this series. Last week we talked about starting fresh, and we talked about how what happens a lot of times in life is that it's easy to get caught up in the wash cycle. We talked about the wash cycle, and it's a surfing term, all right, so I'll all the surfers, what's up? All right, so it's a surfing term, and it means this. It means you're, you're, you're caught in a wave, and you can't 
you can't find the way out. Like you're, you're, for a few moments, you're lit, you don't know which way is up and which way is down. And it can be really scary. It can be really scary, especially if you're in a, a big wave. Um, we talked about this as well. The same is true with an avalanche. An avalanche could be a little bit more scary because, like, you're actually in it and you don't know which way is up and which way is down. And, and so we talked about how, like, if you ever find yourself in an avalanche, the actual solution for that is to spit. And it, the, if, you, if, you're, if your spit goes this way, then you know up is that way. Um, and if your spit just goes all over your face, then, then you know then up is behind you. And so we talked about trying to find which way is up and which way is down can be really, really challenging when it comes to life. When it comes to life, it's not, easy. it's not as easy as just swimming out or spitting out. It's different. It's difficult. So how do we find which way is up? And that's what we're talking about in this series. And we looked at a verse in Lamentations chapter 3. And this verse is going to serve as kind of like a little theme verse for our series. But I love this verse. You've heard this verse, but this verse is powerful. And it's packed with meaning. But it says this, Lamentations chapter 3, because of the Lord's great love. Everybody say great love. Come on, everybody together say great love. We are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Now, in that verse, there's three things that, that we talked about last week that are really, really important that we find in there. And that's that it's the nature of God. The nature of God is what helps us get out of the wash cycle. It's the great love or the goodness of God, the compassions that never fail or the mercy of God, and then great is your faithfulness, the faithfulness of God. That's who God is, and that's what he does. And so when you find yourself in a moment when you're all turned upside down and you don't know which way is up, you go to the nature of God, and it pulls you right out. That was a great place for an amen. Okay. His, and, and what's beautiful, what's beautiful about that verse is as you go to the nature of God, what you are going to find is that his mercies are new every morning. Every day God wants you to have a fresh start. Every day, not just every year, not just at the beginning of the year, not just for the first four or five days of the year before you go back to all your old habits. He wants you to start fresh every single day. He's got something, and I've been thinking about this verse all week. I'm just like, man, his mercies are new. God, today, today you've got something new that you want to do in my life. God, you've got, today you've got something new that you want to bring about through my life. Today can be the, the greatest day because God wants to do something new each and every day. And if you believe it, say, I do. And what we talked about is that it's all about finding the nature of God. When you want to get out of the wash cycle, you've got to go back to the nature of God, his goodness, his mercy, and his faithfulness. And so what I want to do today is I want to talk to you about, well, how do you find the nature of God? Because, like, that's easy enough just to say, but how do you find the nature of God when life is going crazy? How do you find the nature of God when that person next to you is going crazy? Come on, somebody. You know, they're just a little, they got some issues. Or, or the world is going crazy, or you're going crazy. How do you find the nature of God? we got to find a compass, all right? So I want to talk to you today about your compass for finding the nature of God. Anybody know what the compass is to finding the nature of God? It's Jesus. That's right. Come on, Jesus. He's the, he's the answer to 90% of the rhetorical questions asked in church. Turns out. 
And he's the answer to this one. Jesus, everything about Jesus shows us who God is. You want to know who God is? Look at Jesus. You want to know what God thinks? Look at Jesus. You want to know how God acts? Look at Jesus. Every time you see Jesus healing the sick, that's the heart of God. That's the nature of God. Every time you see God or Jesus forgiving somebody, giving someone new purpose and new life, that's the nature of God. Every time you see Jesus speak a word, that's the, that's the nature of God. Confronting the religious leaders, that's the nature of God. Raising the dead, that's the nature of God on display. When you find Jesus, you find God. And he helps us find our true north. So every time you look at him, he helps us get re- just right back to where God is. And so obviously that happens when you look at the Gospels, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, you, you read those books and you find, the, you find who Jesus is. You find Jesus. But the beauty of, of all of this um, reality of God is that you see Jesus not just in the Gospels. You see him all the way through. You see him in Genesis, you see him in Exodus, you see him in Leviticus, you see him in Numbers, you see him all the way through to Revelation. Jesus is the word of God. He's the word of God. Now think about this. He is God's will revealed. He is is God's word spoken to us. Now let me show you, let me show you this. John chapter 1 is, uh, is a powerful passage of scripture, but it's one of those passages of scripture that if you read it really fast, you're kind of like, oh, what's that saying? So I wanna, I wanna help you understand what it's saying. John chapter one, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you have your phones, you can pull it up on your phones. But John chapter one says this in the New International Version. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Do you notice how the word, word, <laughs> In that, in that sentence is capitalized. It's talking about the significance of who that word is. He was with God in the beginning. And through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. And in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. Okay, pause, put a pin in that. What's that saying? It's saying at the beginning of all of this was the word of God. And that, that word is Jesus. And he's going to explain that in just a second. But that word created everything that we know is natural, right? At the beginning, we see this, right? God spoke. It didn't say that God started like working with clay or God started making, but his word is what brought about creation. So he was at the, he was at the beginning. This is the word of God. Who is this word? In verse 14, you skip down to verse 14, we find out who it is. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So it's saying this, that the word of God is Jesus Christ. He was there at the beginning. He was the spoken word of God and he's the one that's making all of this possible. He's God's word revealed to us. And so when you find Jesus, you find the word of God, you find the nature of God. And what I want to do is show you how how if you want to find who God is, look to his word. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Look to the word of God. The Bible 
is our spiritual compass. It's good stuff. Turn and tell someone the word of God is good stuff. Tell someone next to you, say, the word of God, it's good stuff. And that's why as a church, that's why as a church, we're going to take this year and we're going through the one-year Bible, all right? Um, in fact, we have one right here, okay? So this is great. This is a little one-year Bible. Um, isn't that, it's a nice kind of an addition. Uh, the one-year Bible, basically, it is, a, um, it is a Bible reading plan in a Bible, okay? So you open up to each day, and, okay, so March 6th, it's got, it's got a passage from Numbers, and you flip over, it's got a passage, a lot of passage from Numbers, then you go to Mark, and then it's got a Psalm and a Proverb. And what's really great about this, you get a little bit of Old Testament, a little bit of New Testament, a Psalm, and a Proverb, and man, there's something in here that will speak to you. I, I mean, it's just, there's always something that's going to speak right to your heart. And it's in this, you know, we have these for sale. We've already sold over 200 of these here at Semipar Church, which is awesome. Give yourself a hand, all right, because you guys are hungry. I love that. Um, and so we're going through this together. This is a paper version. I like the paper version because it's like distraction-free, right? You know, you, there's no notifications. But you can also do the digital version through your app. Um, and they're all different kinds. I have, a, I have one here at my office. I have one at home. I want, I want them as close uh, to me as possible. I just want to be able to open it up and, and read today's reading. And I don't want to just read it once, honestly. I want to read it uh, again and again and again. That's something I've been trying this week, reading it more than one time. Just, and by the time you get through the second or third time, you're actually like, you know what's coming, and it's hitting you different. It's really, really powerful. So we're all going through this together. I've got a free copy for somebody who wants it. Anybody want the one-year Bible? All right. Brett, can you just hand it right here? Right behind. Yep, right there. All right. Uh, good job. And, and this is really, really helpful. Going to go through it together. And what's really nice about that edition it's coffee table friendly. My wife will let me put this one out on the coffee table. So we have those available for sale. Most of my books do not make the coffee table. <laughs> they get shoved under the couch or something like that. Um, but this one is available uh, to put on the coffee table because it looks so nice. But I want to encourage you to go through this together, and we're going to learn and we're going to grow. But as we do, as we do, I want to encourage you to make this more than a to-do item because that's our tendency, isn't it? Our tendency is to make, like, reading the Bible is like, all right, I got I to gotta do the bills, I got to take the kids to school, and I got to read the Bible. It's just another thing that you have to do. And I want to encourage you to not look at this as a to-do item that you have to get done, but an appointment that you absolutely cannot miss. This isn't, an, this isn't a to-do item. It's an appointment. It's an appointment with the creator of the world. Now, before we kind of unpack that idea for a second, have you ever just wanted to meet somebody famous or somebody significant, famous business leader? Maybe if you're a business leader, you want to meet like someone like Steve Jobs or Bill Gates or Warren Buffett or, or maybe like a, a historical leader like Abraham Lincoln or, I don't know, Socrates. That just came into my head. Um, philosophy people, you want to meet Socrates or Beethoven for the music people or, or maybe someone who's even like current, like a celebrity like Brad Pitt or Justin Timberlake, okay, or Patrick Mahomes or somebody like, okay, so just shout it out to me. Who, who would you want to meet? Come on, somebody. Just tell me who would you want to meet. Don't say Jesus, all right? Not this question. Don't say Jesus. 
Someone did that first service. It's like, all right, okay, I get it. All right. Uh, who would you, who would you want to meet? Just somebody. Okay, I can really pick any of that out. <laughs> what? Betty White? Oh, that's sad. I know. Somebody else? Celine Dion. Okay, very cool. Very cool. Anybody else? Sorry, I couldn't make any of that out. Is it um, I know my kids would say if my son was here, it'd be Patrick Mahomes. Like, that would be, like, the coolest thing to see Patrick Mahomes, to meet Patrick Mahomes, to sit down to throw a football with Patrick Mahomes. But I'll be honest, that'd be pretty cool for me, too, all right? Like, I, just got, I got a little bit of me, Patrick. Go ahead. You know? I, hey. <laughs> you know, it'd be pretty fun. Um, okay, so let's say someone made this possible where you could have lunch with whoever you wanted to meet. Like, how cool would that be? And if they had this all set up, it's like, all right, you're going to meet this person at this time, at this place. How many of you know you're going to show up prepared? You're going to show up ready, right? How many of you know you're not going to show up late? You know, you're going to get there early. Like, even if you're, a, like, a late person, come on, you know, like, if you're meeting this person, you're getting there early. Because you want to make sure you get the table right and, you know, you just, everything's ready to go. Because this is a big appointment, Right? It's a big appointment. Uh, a few weeks ago, my wife and I had our pastors in town. They came and spent some time with us, Pastor John and Debbie Lindell from James River Church, Springfield. They came up and they spent some time with us, and uh, it, was, uh, it was awesome. And it, they, were, they wanted to come and, and see our building and just kind of encourage us. And, and so I was like, this is great. I'm going to walk through our building. Um, they've built several buildings uh, through the life of the church. And so um, I was, like, really excited to be like, hey, I want to show you what we got, but like, hey, let me know what you would, you know, what you would do different. You know, this is a great opportunity. Somebody who's, who's done, I, I mean, several, I mean, multiple, multiple building projects. And I'm in the middle of one, so like, hey, speak into this. And so my wife and I were there. We got there early. We're ready. I had all the renderings pulled up on my lap or on my iPad ready to show. I had, I had floor plans ready to present to them, and we're walking in. I had the hard hats all ready to go. Then when we got in the car, we're going to lunch. I had snacks all prepared. Oh, here's some mints. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you notice there's a water fresh for you in your little cup holder? Like, I was ready for the appointment because it mattered. And I wanted to get some wisdom, right? Let me just tell you this. When you open up the Bible, you're not meeting with somebody who's built a few buildings. You're meeting with somebody who's built the universe. Like, like and who knows everything about you who knows everything about you, who's, who's literally knit and woven every aspect of who you are together. You're opening, you're opening an appointment with the creator of the universe. And not just that, but he actually wants to be with you. This is what the Bible should be. Not a to-do item, but an appointment not to be missed. And, and so... And the reason is, is because every day God wants to do something new. That's why, again, Lamentations, let that resonate in your heart this year. Like today is a new day. Today is something that God wants to use to speak hope and life and truth and forgiveness and grace into my life afresh and anew today. And when you open the Bible, here's the good thing about it. Every aspect of it is, is useful. It's helpful. It's good. 
Second uh, Timothy chapter three says this: All Scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So what God wants to do is he wants to build you up. He wants to make you fruitful and effective at whatever you're doing for the kingdom of God. For parents, he wants to make you fruitful and effective. For spouses, he wants to make you fruitful and effective. For employers, he wants to make you fruitful and effective. For employees, he wants to make you fruitful and effective. He wants to equip you to advance his kingdom whatever you are doing. And so I want to take a few moments, and I actually want to get pretty practical with the Word of God because a lot of times when we approach the Word of God, it doesn't, it does, well, how do I say this nice? We just don't get it, right? I mean, have you ever had a moment where you're just like, I have no idea what this is saying? And so I want, to, I want to help us, I want to kind of unpack this a little bit because I want to show you how every verse is useful. There's nothing that's wasted, it's like a good Thanksgiving turkey, all right? There's something, there's something in there, like, that's useful to eat, all right? Even just this week, on, on January 6th, in our reading, one-year Bible reading, uh, we, we, we got Genesis 15. And we were reading this, and I was like, oh, this is a great example of, like, what, in the, what am I supposed to do with this? But Genesis 15, this is Abraham, and he's having this covenant with God. And God's like, hey, all right, I'm going to do something great. Let's, let's have a... Let's have a covenant. I'm going to have you sacrifice some animals, and, and it's going to be amazing. So look at this, verse 9. So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat, and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. Abram brought all these things. His name had not been changed yet to Abraham. Cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey, so your version might say, then vultures, came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. Now, you're reading a verse like that, and you're like, what am I supposed to do with this, <laughs> right? Like, okay, he's got the sacrifices, and birds come, and he drove them away. Like, it, what's the point of that? There's something, there's something useful there. There's something useful there. And so you start thinking about, okay, have you ever had a sacrifice that you've made for God? Have you ever started getting towards God? If you start moving in God's direction, it's a sacrifice, isn't it? It's going to cost you your time. It's going to cost you a little bit of your effort. It's going to cost you a little bit of your finances. If you're going to move towards God, you're going to start sacrificing, right? All of us. Have you ever started moving towards God and felt an attack from the enemy as soon as you start moving towards God? Some distraction, some discouragement, somebody in your life trying to get you off track. What do you do when that happens? You shoo them away. Come on, somebody. You start chasing off those vultures. You start saying, no, get out of here, discouragement. Get out of here, doubt. Get out of here, fear. You're not going to steal my sacrifice. It's telling us that we got a part to play in that. And when we do it, it actually works. So that, that's what you can find in the word of God. I was reading that this week, and I was like, oh, yeah. Okay, get out of here, discouragement. Get out of here, doubt. I was having church. All because of some vultures in the Bible. God wants to speak stuff to you like that. He wants to speak stuff to you like that. Every verse is in there for a reason, and every verse has purpose, and every verse has power. The long verses and the short verses. All right, let me prove this to you, okay? Shortest verse in the Bible. Anybody know what it is? 
Jesus wept. Good job, class. Everybody knew that one. This, I, I, uh, I led a discipleship program for a long time, a nine years intensive discipleship program where they like memorize scripture and they always chose this one for some reason. Like, oh, I'll memorize Jesus wept. You know, it's just, everybody knows that one. Can you get anything out of that verse? Two words. Yeah. You start looking at it, start doing a, a deeper dive in it. You start looking at that, that Jesus was on his way to heal Lazarus. He was going to heal Lazarus anyway. And his sisters show up, and they're really, really upset about it. And instead of being like, no, 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 hey, listen, y'all, I'm about to go fix this anyways. Let's go. He weeps. It shows that God isn't just a task God. He's a people God. He's interested in people. He's interested in, in, in entering into our pain and meeting us where we are and helping us come up out of it. That sometimes the best thing that we need is not God just to answer our problem, but to be with us in the midst of our problem. Jesus wept, teaches us that. You, you can see the short verses. You can see the long verses. You can see even the genealogies are powerful, right? Like I know a lot of times we get to those genealogies and we're like, sweet, I get to skip all of that. <laughs> But I want to encourage you every now and then read those genealogies. And you might just get something really powerful, especially the, the ones in the Gospels. Because they're telling this amazing story of how God used all of these people, people who loved God, people who didn't even like God. And he used all of them to bring about his perfect plan. And that God, even in the midst of great times and bad times and good seasons and bad seasons and, and great leaders and terrible leaders, God's still working. Come on, somebody, even when we can't see it, because he's a way maker. You can read the genealogies and you can start singing, even when I can't see you're working. You can start having church with the genealogies because it's all good. It's our daily bread. It's fuel for our spirit. It's food for our soul. If we, if we keep with this start fresh idea, you could say it's the way we eat fresh. Come on, somebody. Subway doesn't have a chance. We're not talking about Italian urban cheese. We're talking about the bread of life. Come on. God's word is the freshest eating there is. It shows us who he is. And it reveals his plans for our life. It is alive. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. It says, for the word of God is alive. Everybody say, it's alive. <laughs> it's alive and active. It's like no other book. Well, you could read a book and you'd be like, oh, that's really interesting. But when you read the Bible, it changes you. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That's why you can read the Word of God and you can be emotionally broken down, but you read the Word of God and it, and it, and it just lifts you right up. Lifts you right up. Psalm 19, great psalm on the Word of God, says the law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. So the Word of God refreshes. It's like jumping into a pool on a hot summer day. Like, just refreshes you. If you need refreshment today, which all of us do, get into the Word of God. And the more that you're in the Word of God, the more regular that you're in the Word of God, the more that it will refresh you. The statutes uh, of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The Word of God makes us wise. How many of you need wisdom? All of us, right? 
all of us, every single day. It's the number one thing on my prayer list. God, give me wisdom. The word of God makes us wise. Verse eight, the precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. Who needs joy? <laughs> all of us. You read the word of God, it'll bring joy to your heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The word of God brings clarity. God, what should I do here? What's the right thing here? Get in the word of God and it will bring clarity. And he goes on to say, by them your servant is warned and keeping them there is great reward. It brings blessing. It keeps us all off the wrong path and, and keeps us on the right path. It changes us from the inside out. That's what happens when we get in the word of God. So who's ready to get into the word of God this year? Okay, all right, let's go six people, let's go. Okay, but how do we read it? But how do we read it? Because it's written so long ago, and it's got a bunch of names that we don't understand, and it's places that we've never been. What do we do with that? What do we do with that? I want to give you a teaching that I love to do uh, every year. Just, it's a very quick teaching, but this is going to help you. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. If you're not taking notes, I want you to write this down if you can. Because this is going to help you. Four steps to practice and four questions to ask when you're approaching the Word of God. Every single time. You could put this in your Bible. You could write this on your one-year Bible. Say, every time I'm going to read this, I want to, get, I want to apply this. Okay, so number one, remember the big picture. Ask yourself, what is this about? Number two, find the context. Ask yourself, what does this mean? Number three, understand the implications. Ask yourself, what does this mean for me? And then number four, apply it to your life. What do I do with this? Okay, these are four questions to ask, four practices or steps to practice, and we're all gonna walk away with a fresher take on the word of God, okay? I'm gonna hit this real quick. You ready to jump in? All right, let's do it. Number one, remember the big picture. What is this about? And, and the best way to describe this is by, is by thinking about Google Maps, okay? Google Maps, you want to zoom out and see, you know, the further you zoom, the more country you can see, right? You can zoom all the way to see the entire United States. You can see the whole world. Keep zooming. And, and when you start with your approach to the Bible, start by asking, what is this about? And remember what it is about. And it's about one main theme. The Bible, all of these different authors, all of these different books, all of these different eras, different places, it's about one theme, and it's this. It's God loves people and wants relationship with them. That's it. That's it. That's the big idea of the Bible. That's the point. It's that God creates people out of his goodness and brings them back into relationship with himself through a person named Jesus Christ. You can see this from the very beginning. In the beginning, there's nothing. And you know who was cool with it? God. God was cool. God was cool. God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, God the Son, they're all cool. They're chilling in eternity, and they don't need anything. But out of their goodness, out of God's goodness, he creates. And he creates mankind because he wants to express his goodness to them. That's God. And then he makes us with, not as robots, but he gives us a choice. And we can pursue him or we can pursue, we can pursue ourselves. And because for whatever reason, grandma and grandpa, Adam and Eve, 
took the fruit. We've been pursuing ourselves ever since. And that's the story of the Bible. And you see this in the Old Testament, right? The Old Testament, what a giant train wreck. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what the Old Testament is. You keep reading, like, just reading. It's like, oh, these people are doing great. They're loving God. God's blessing. Oh, they start worshiping false idols. Curses. Boom. Because that's what happens with, that's what happens with sin, right? Sin always brings chaos. It always brings difficulty. Your chief enemy is sin. The enemy of your soul wants to bring sin to you. That's, your, that's, that's the thing. It's, it's what's inside of us where we have human flawed natures. It's what Jesus came to, to die for. And it's what's kept us in this vicious, crazy cycle. And at the very beginning, God says, I'm going to bring someone who will make right what is wrong. And his name is, his name is Jesus. And so all throughout the Old Testament, there's prophecies about a Messiah who will come, who will restore relationship, and everyone's looking forward to it. And in the meantime, it's just hard. That's the Old Testament. Then you get to the New Testament, and you meet him, and he's amazing. And he's completely different. He's not, he's not selfish. He's generous. He's not egotistical. He's humble. He's not pushy. He's... He's gracious. He's not vengeful. He, he forgives. He's completely different. And, and he shows us who God is. This is the New Testament. And so you have to understand the big picture. You got to zoom out and see all throughout the Bible, we've been going our own way and God's been graciously bringing us back into relationship. That's the big idea. So every time you look at the word of God, look at it as God is reaching out to me to bring me back into relationship. Does that make sense? All right, number two, find the context. What does this mean? So if you start zoomed out, you're looking at the whole country, zoom in and see Jackson County. Like find the context, find the local thing. What's happening in this context? What's, what's happening before What's happening after? You want to read the chapter before. You want to read the chapter after. You want to know who wrote it, who they wrote it to, and when they wrote it. Because context is really, really important, right? For instance, you could say the words, you're so crazy. You know, if you say it with a smile on your face and like, oh, you're so crazy. Like that's going to be taken well. But if you say you're so crazy and you're yelling and throwing things, how I many know the context affects the meaning? And so that's the same with the Bible. You want to understand what's happening around it so that you can understand what's happening inside of it. Okay, that's context. You want to read uh, the introduction for the book. You, you want to read like a, a commentary is really, really helpful. You can find biblical commentaries on each book of the Bible. You can get a study Bible, an NIV study Bible, an ESV study Bible. This stuff, they all have commentaries in the bottom. So if you're hitting something you're not understanding, you can go there, you can, you can read it. And if not, man, Google it. There's so much free resource out on the internet. Not all of it's amazing, all right? But, but a, lot of it's, a lot of it's good. And you can find more context and see what God's saying. Third, you want to understand the implications. So once you've understand, understood the big picture and you've, you've sought to find the context of what's being talked about right before, after, in the middle, who it's being written to, all of those things, where it's at, then ask, what does this mean for me? Now you're zooming in to street view and you're seeing your house. Have you ever done that on Google? 
Have you ever like, like zoomed in and saw your house and you're like, your dog's outside, you're like, that's kind of crazy, you know? You're, you're personalizing it. This is where the light bulb moment comes on and you're like, okay, I get this. This is where inspiration becomes revelation. It becomes real for you. So for instance, when Paul is writing the book of Philippians, to the church at Philippi, he was writing it to a church at a city, but now that letter is written for you. That letter is written for you. Um, it may have been the Israelites God was wanting to lead out of the wilderness, but now he's wanting to lead you out of your wilderness. Do you see that? You start, like, what does this mean for me? It might have been a prayer written by an apostle years ago, but now that prayer is for you and it's yours to pray. Do you understand that? Everything you read for God's people in the Old Testament, you can apply for yourself. When the prophet is telling the king that the battle is not his, but it's the Lord's, that is, that is for you. And the battle that you're facing is not yours, it's the Lord's. When, when, when God says to a prophet that he knows the nation, that he's known the nation from before the time they were born, and that he had plans for that, for that nation, plans to prosper that nation, to plan, plans to give that nation a hope and a future. That is for you. Everything in the Bible now is yours. Every promise is yours. Every word of encouragement is yours. Every command, it's yours. You find it in Scripture, and it will bring life to your soul. And then you apply it to your life. You say, what do I do with this? say, what, what, what do I need to do with this now? This is mine. What do I do with it? Jesus, Jesus talks about a situation in Matthew chapter 7 where he says, hey, listen, if you will, I'm, I'm so glad that you've listened to what I've been saying. But if you will apply it, you actually do it, it's kind of like you build your house on the rock. And when the storms come against it, you're going to be strong. He says, but, but if, you, if you listen to my words and don't apply it, it's like you're building your house on sand. And when the storms come and the waters rise, away goes the house. So here's what happens in church. Here's what happens in the Bible. We hear the word of God but what do we do with it? That's what we have to ask ourselves. God, what do you want me to do with this? Because I, I will promise you, God will always speak something to your heart that he wants you to do. There's always an action step in there. You say, God, what do you want me to do with this? He will tell you. He will tell you. And, and sometimes you might be reading about forgiveness. And, and you're reading that and you're like, oh, I, know, I know who that's about. Or you start reading about graciousness, and you're like, mm, I know who that's about. Or you start reading about generosity, and God's like, I want you to be generous, and you know someone who has a need, and, and at first you're like, no, I'm going to keep all my stuff. And then God's like, I want you to give some of that to them. And you're like, okay, that's what I got to do. I got to do, so, do something with this. You read, you read the stuff about Husbands and wives. There's always something to apply there. You start reading about how 
Husbands are to love their wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. That's pretty much like ball game, right? Like that's the end of every discussion. Discussion. <laughs> I literally, like it's like, all right, yep. I mean, if Jesus can die for the church, I can clean the dishes. I can take out the trash. I can be more sensitive. I can be more present, right? You start reading these things and God's like, I want you to do something. And when you apply it, see, here's the power. As you're processing it, as you're thinking in it, as you're changing your thinking, it will change your life. But you got to put it into practice. That's why this year can be your best year. No matter what happens out there, it's most important about what's happening in here. And that is going to be determined by the word of God. So saying, God, I want you to speak to me, Lord. I'm going to be in your word. And as you do this, I promise you, God is going to meet you. He's going to speak to you. He's going to encourage you. He's going to do more in your life than, than ever before as you make his word a priority. It's the most important thing. So here's what I want us to do. If you would, stand with me at both locations. I just want to take a moment. And I just want to give you a chance to make a fresh commitment to the word of God. Fresh commitment. So what are we doing? We're making a fresh sacrifice. What do you think is going to show up when we make a fresh sacrifice to the word of God? Some vultures, that's right. Some vultures. But we're ready. We're going to pray. We're going to pray and say, God, we're just giving this to you. We're giving this to you, and we're going to ask you to do something great. This just came in this week, and I hope this will be your testimony. And if it is, please let us know because we love being encouraged by it. But this is a testimony that came in from someone who attends our church named Amy. She writes this, I've been reading the one-year Bible plan. I thought I'd get lost with the Old Testament reading. I asked the Holy Spirit to be with me and guide me and help me to understand, and I have been understanding it and enjoying it. Can hardly wait to read the next days. I've actually read a couple or ahead a couple of days. She's getting into it. She's getting hungry. She's eating fresh, and she's liking it. Most important thing you can do this year Read the Bible every single day. Sorry, Peloton, okay? <laughs> I mean, Peloton too, but I'm just saying the most important thing, the most important thing, eating fresh, letting that word of God get into our spirits, amen? Would you just lift your hands just as a moment of prayer and surrender? Would you just take a moment and just say, God, we're gonna make a fresh sacrifice. Lord, we love you and we praise you. And God, we just ask you that your kingdom would come, that your will would be done, and that, Lord, you would help us to make a priority toward and for the word of God. God, we pray that you would just that you would speak to us, that, God, we would grow, that we would, that we would become who you want us to be, that you would change us, that, God, every day would be a fresh day, a new day, an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to make an appointment with the creator of the universe, and that, God, you would use it and speak and draw us close and change us. Let this year be different, God. Let it be the best year because of what you're doing inside of us. And, God, we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship.